Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. and you're listening to the Celtics Life Podcast. Welcome inside the Celtics Life Podcast. The regular season is in our rearview mirror, and like many of you, we're hoping the postseason doesn't join it anytime soon. I'm Mark Allison here with my man Justin Quinn, and we're going to break down the all things NBA playoffs for the Celtics from who we're playing, who's playing for us, and uh, even a look back at a very special playoff squad. But before we get into that segment, let's dive into some of the pressing stuff. Justin, how you doing, my man? I'm doing all right. Pretty happy with the things that ended up working out last night. Yeah, I mean, uh, um, ideally, uh, I think I was looking forward to the Heat. That's that's kind of what I wanted to play. But I, at the same time, um, I didn't want anything to do with Washington. And um, I'm I'm happy that uh, we drew the Bucks. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I mean, Miami is a team that I also wanted. But to be honest, both teams have one individual who have the capability, who's shown the capability of taking over games. Mm-hmm. One of them doesn't even play in games, you know? So I'm talking about Spo, uh, right. Coach Spolster of the, of the Miami Heat. He's he's almost as dangerous as having a Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis, we'll just say Giannis. I'm still yeah. working on it. <laughs> Bear with me. We'll get it by Hopefully, the next, uh, of these, next two weeks. Hopefully. Uh, so... You know, I'm, I'm kind of relieved also that I'm not going to have to see Brad Stevens' coaching put to the test in such a, how shall I say, diminished state of the Celtics. I mean, there's a lot of injuries going on with the Boston Celtics, as I'm sure all of our listeners are acutely aware of. But it's not all bad news. So we got Marcus Smart. We got some actual good news here in the injury front that um, Smart may actually be able to return by... Game seven. Well, it's the uh, April twenty seventh, which uh, game seven is the twenty eighth. So, um, a game seven in Boston, we could have a, a potential huge shot in the arm. Um, I think, especially because it's at home, uh, you know, the home crowd's going to get fired up for that. Actually, getting somebody back instead of losing another body. Uh, how, mu- how much do you think that that means? Well, it really depends on the context that it's happening in. If it's happening in the second round, then, you know, everybody's going to be happy. But if it's happening in the seventh seventh game of a series, we are already in a lot of trouble. And just the, the way to go into this is to not think about Marcus Smart as what we need to get to the next round. And I'm, I'm sure that Brad Stevens isn't. I'm pretty sure that the Celtics aren't. But just generally speaking, 
Marcus Smart, he could be the difference in a game seven, but ultimately we have a lot of other things to work on before we even think about whether or not he's even going to be in the contest. Yeah, and, and I think I, when, I, when I say that, I, I didn't necessarily mean like, you know, on the floor, but I mean, even just seeing him check into the game in the middle of a game, even if he only played 10 minutes in that game, I, like because the game's at home, I think it's a huge, it could be, could be a huge, you know, momentum factor kind of thing. And, and not not that I don't think Smart will be able to play when he comes back, but like you said, if you're coming back on the court, he's he is working out with the team, and, he, and he's already, I believe, shooting. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure they're not going to throw him out there if it, you know, if he's not ready to go. But he's getting reevaluated, I think, the end of this week. Maybe he will have already by the time you guys are listening to this. So uh, we'll probably have a better idea of that this week into the beginning of next week. But how about the Bucks? The team we're matched up with. Now, when we said we didn't, when I... I was teams I was worried about, uh, like you said, the Heat don't really have that guy that can take over a series. Uh, besides, you know, you know, the coach is probably the you know biggest asset that they have. Uh, Washington worried me because of both John Wall, Bradley Beal, Otto Porter facing off against those three guys uh, without Smart um, didn't seem ideal to me. I mean, you look at the series; we had a lot of trouble with them last year. Went to seven games. And uh, we had both Smart and Avery Bradley. Uh, we don't have either one of those guys anymore. So matching up with those guys, uh, I, Jalen Brown would have had his hands full with one of them. And then it's like, who's going to guard the other one? Uh, would have been, I think it would have been a, a, just a bad matchup for us. Um, but the Bucks, on the other hand, obviously, uh, biggest thing you got to worry about, Giannis and Atacumpo. Um, guys, are, I mean, can basically do everything on the floor. Uh, aside from him, I look at the shooters. I mean, they've got a, uh, they shoot a lot of threes or some of the guys do, but they, they don't really have any lights out. You know, um, they got Middleton and Bledsoe both shoot like five a game, but neither one of them shoots over 36%. So it's, it's, you know, they're not really flamethrowers from back there. Well, what do you see as, uh, the biggest issues facing the Bucks? So for the Celtics in this series, it's really, really obvious as you're, you're, kind of getting at with the one guy. Giannis is unstoppable when he's slashing to the cup. Not a very good shooter. So if we can force him to be a jump shooter most of the time, clog the lane as much as possible, you know, Greg Monroe is going to be very useful in this series, mostly just for that particular purpose. Thinking about how we can force the other guys on the team to also be jump shooters we can probably beat them in that scenario. But if we can't find a way to stop Giannis, then we're basically dead on arrival. And everyone who's listening is probably saying, yeah, duh. But, I mean, that's basically what this series like boils down to. They're not a particularly great team. They're not a particularly bad team. And, unfortunately, right now, Boston is kind of the same. Mm-hmm. Now, wh- who do you think draws – Giannis, you know, on the defensive end, uh, the most, uh, and we're looking at, uh, and I guess that depends on the, the Celtics starting lineup too. I, I guess that's a better question to ask first. What, what do you, what do you think the ideal lineup is against the Bucks? Um, I mean, it's basically what they've been playing. I mean, it's, it's going to be their go-to lineup at least until Marcus Smart gets back and then we can kind of have a little bit more flexibility, but it's really mm-hmm. going to be. So you think Bain, Baines is starting? Almost certainly, you know, just because he can, he can, he's really good at not fouling and we're going to need, 
you know, like Monroe's come along a long way, but he still fouls a lot. He's still kind of getting used to the role. He's like, don't get me wrong. He's made big, big strides, particularly on the offensive end, but his defense is still pretty mm-hmm. bad. And he's going, he, he gets into foul trouble pretty quick and pretty easily. So I don't expect him to get the start. And honestly, the only other people besides Jalen who would be a good, good assignment for him, in my opinion, I mean, switching defense is going to be absolutely crucial. So it's assignments aren't going to matter that much, but the primary person stopping him is going to have to be Jalen in my mind. Shemi is probably going to spell him. I think Al, Al Horford can help out a bit, but he's, it's, not really the kind of defense that he plays. He's more of like a, a, a disrupting perimeter defender, and that is where we want to push Giannis to, not from. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I that that's, that sounds legitimate. And and also um, when you talk about Greg Monroe, I think that he's obviously plays a big role on the second unit. So I, I think it's important for him to play with that unit because he's basically the scoring load for them. And when you look at the you know. The um, Bucks big guys, aside from Anacopo, uh, we're talking about he'd be, you know, he's playing against like Tyler Zeller on the second unit there. I, I think he could feast on him, you know, not to knock our old buddy Tyler, but um, certainly gonna gonna be a factor. And, and how bad would it be? How funny would it be if he comes back to haunt the Bucks? Uh, <laughs> he could be a huge factor in this series. Tyler Zeller, if Tyler Zeller is the reason we lose this series... Well, that's well, not going to happen, so I think we all know that. But. <laughs> so, so I pretty much agree with you in terms of, of uh, the lineups. I, I think we're going to see Baines in there to start the game because it leaves Monroe with the second unit. Um, and then, well, I, I do think they're going to try and play Horford a little bit more on Anacopo, even if it's a. I, I mean, obviously, like you like you said, they don't want to draw him away from the basket, but I, I, he's going to have to play on him quite a bit. I guess Tatum can carry some of that, chasing him around. But it's really going to be. I'm interested to see what Brad's take is, and and like you said, um, locking up Anacopo. It's is it going to be more of them trying to limit him? Or is it going to be more of trying to just limit everybody else and let him get his? Because uh, we saw them, see, they successfully did that at the beginning of this year when he, he dropped, what, 30-something on us, and uh, and we we still beat them. It's I'm, I'm good to see what uh, Brad cooks up for at least the seven-game uh, series strategy. Now, what do you think, Justin? Uh, we're looking at Celtics victory. How many games are we talking if whatever game plan that Brad cooks up is successful, I think this is going to be a tight series. I don't think it's going to go less than six. I do think it could go to seven very easily. I'm going to be positive and just say that it's going to be Boston in six, and I think we're going to set the tone with a home win to open it up. I I could not agree more, and it, I think it's funny that we're we're saying uh, uh, Celtics in six when. Uh, the Bucks have been riding, at least for the last month or so. Uh, Bucks and six. You you heard about this, right? With the, the Brandon Jennings, they got swept last year by Cleveland, and Brandon Jennings had said Bucks and six. So now, like that's like their mantra, like Bucks and six. They've been saying it even before they knew who they were playing. Well, it's not exactly dishonest. We're going to beat the Bucks and six. Yeah, Bucks going home in six games. Exactly. They had it the whole time. So yeah, I like it. I like it. So uh, we're not the only game in the first round, obviously. Um, to, to me, I, I think, especially particularly with the Eastern Conference, anybody could beat anybody. Like, I wouldn't – obviously there's favorites, but I, I wouldn't shock me if any of the teams lost. I guess if Cleveland lost, it would shock me. But 
they're, it's not like they're, you know, setting the world on fire this year. Uh, they've been playing better of late since they got love back. Yeah, but they've got some uh, distractions going on. We don't need to get too far into that, man. But keep your private business private. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's, uh, that's a bad <laughs> That's a bad look. Some of the memes and some of the videos that have been coming out are pretty hilarious. I think I sent you one yesterday. Yep. But um, anyway, so the other series we got here, um, Heat Sixers. Thoughts on that? It's pretty hard to argue with a 16-game streak, but, you know, we had one ourselves this year, and they end, you know. Now, this isn't the NCAA tournament, so a streak ending for Philadelphia is not going to be the disaster that it would be for, I don't know, Villanova or some team on that level. But the Heat is a good team to match up with the 76ers, Particularly if they get a game or two without Joel Embiid. Mm -hmm. Now, I haven't really been paying too close attention, but I did also see that Sarich uh, ended up getting some kind of a laceration to his face in the game or something of that nature too. So he might miss a game also, depending on what's going on with him. I'll have to look into that. But Miami is a fairly decent – I mean, Whiteside and and Embiid, not the worst matchup on the interior – He's gonna. Whiteside's gonna be abused by Embiid, but he he can at least stop him near a cup. I do think that Spo is such a better coach than the interim guy that they have in there right now. I can't remember what his name is off the top of my head. Do you remember what the name of their interim coach is? He's one of their assistants. Um, I, I do not. To be honest with you. Well, anyways, he is such a great coach. We can't remember what his name is. Yeah, and. You know, Spo, Spo's got rings. Spo knows how to get, I won't say scrubs, but very in-shape average NBA players to compete at very high levels. So this is going to be a real test. I mean, if they struggle against the Heat, then they're going to struggle against probably everybody. And I don't want to say what the 76ers has been doing is an illusion because it's definitely not. You don't you don't win 16-game streak. On a, you don't want a 16-game winning streak if you don't have some kind of chemistry or talent or combination thereof. But I kind of feel that there's a little bit of a rational exuberance driving this engine. And to me, I think this Heat 76er series is going to at least five games and probably more like six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, um, I think that the um, Philly just overwhelming talent versus the Heat, and I, I think they'll be able to beat them. Um, Fairly comfortably, I would say five or six games. Uh, I, I know Spoh's the, got the playoff experience, but uh, these guys are playing hot, like you said. And granted, they beat a bunch of trash teams in there. Probably like twelve of those sixteen teams were tanking. But uh, at the same time, I, I still, I still think the talent, the raw talent's there. I think Embiid's a huge factor, though. Uh, you know, if he misses some time, that'll certainly uh, that's going to be a huge deficit for them. But if he, if he, you know, he's playing. Um, I think they'll take care of him pretty easily. And so we talked about LeBron and co against Pacers and Depot. What do you think? That actually, you said you'd be shocked if this was an upset. Based on how I've seen them play this this season, it wouldn't surprise me at all, particularly with, with the drama that's happening, particularly with the fact that the chemistry from LeBron loafing on defense all year, you know, and justifiably so. He's getting up there in, in, in age. But you can't expect a bunch of other guys, a lot of them who are also up there in age, to 
buy in when you're not. And, you know, there's always the flip switching argument. But these Pacers, they just attack with a pick and roll super, super hard. They run over and over and over again. And it's really hard and tiring to defend. An older Cavs team that isn't very deep. They might just be able to pull off an upset and beat them. I would not be surprised. I'm not saying it's likely. I still give the Cavs a slight edge, like 60-40. But this is actually one of all the first-round upsets. I would be least surprised if this one happens. You That would be a least surprising upset to you? I think so. Oh, man, no. I, I got playoff LeBron in uh, I five games. I, I, I'd say five games at most this series. I'm, it's just – and. That's, I mean... I'll believe it when I see it. Okay, no, fair enough. And I do like that Pacers team, and like you said, um, they're, they're, they they play hard, but, I mean, I, until until he's not whooping everybody's ass in the playoffs, I'll, I'll, I'll refrain from voting against him. Uh, <laughs> so now... That's totally fair. Right, but now here's the series. Now this, this is interesting. Wizards-Raptors. I, I didn't want to play the Wizards for reasons I already mentioned. I wouldn't be surprised if they eat the Raptors. I would, just because the Wizards have no depth well, whatsoever. I suppose over a seven-game series, that'll probably win. But I wouldn't be shocked if the Wizards come out game one and like run them off the floor or something like that. I, I think they're going to make a series out of it. They probably won't win the series, but at the same time, they've got these. Some of the, these guys have playoff experience, right? Mm-hmm. They went to the conference semifinals last year, seven games against the Celtics. You know, the, 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 we've got some and a lot of the same bodies back. Uh, obviously, the Raptors they, they they played last year too in the playoffs. They, I mean, they both made it to the same round, right? So I, I just I don't know. I don't know what it is about this Raptors. I it's it's like they the Raptors. That's what I tell you what though. I, I mean, doing the Green Envies, the Raptors. Their fans have no absolutely no confidence whatsoever that they're going to make any noise in the playoffs. It's it's unbelievable. I can't blame them. I mean, they If you the jump on Masters, Toronto man. Raptors Reddit and read some of the comments, I mean, they, obviously, you know, it's a, a long time this has been going on, but they, they have the best record in the conference. They, uh, probably the easiest possible chance to get to the finals that they've had that any team's had in forever i mean well i can't say that because the heat and the uh, Cavs have had some easy ones too but it's the the road this year i mean the number two seed is missing it two it's two best players right we don't know what lebron's doing uh, the pacers are the three seed like you said they're a gritty team um not the pacers i'm sorry the uh pacers are the five seed the um the, the young philly team is the three seed uh, if if there's anything they could have asked for, this would be the year that you would think, and and their fans just aren't buying it. So I I, I find that kind of humorous. I think you would not be off base to suggest that they could get run off the floor, particularly after the the last showing against the Heat. They just look lost out there. But if you look at the point differentials of all the teams in the East, realistically, only the Raptors look like. A contending team in terms of what their point differential looks like. A lot of that is how many, how many, for those who don't know what point differential is, it's uh, how many points you, your team tends to mm-hmm. win games by across right. the season. 
So we're pretty close. We're not that far behind. I, I don't remember what the exact numbers are. I haven't checked in for a couple of days, but it was around seven-ish for the Raptors and a little over four and a half or five, mm-hmm. I think, for us, if I remember right. So, I mean, we are we are borderline in the realm of, of contention. And, you know, it kind of, for teams that depend heavily on defense like the Celtics do, point differential isn't quite as important because that's not how they're winning games. They're winning by keeping them close and then holding shit together at the end of the, of the game. But in the case of the Raptors, the Raptors, their depth, which, you know, admittedly playoff, playoff rotations shrink, tend to shrink. Right. And, yeah. But when you look at the Wizards, name me their fifth best player off the top of your head. <laughs> I don't know. Exactly. That is why they're going to lose. Yeah. Now, whether or not they have any success in the second round, you know, it's they're going to be facing either the Cavs or the Pacers. That is not an enviable matchup. I think they would probably do better against the Pacers than the Cavs just because they don't they, they they have a good defense, but I, I don't I don't really trust their defense when they're playing one of, like, basically any MVP caliber players. They've had some very mixed success this season against the league, the league's top three or four teams. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, "Sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays"? Shit, no, man. I believe you get your ass kicked saying something like that. Well, and the Celtics playoff roster is not the only thing that's locked in. Uh, we've got the, the 27th seed in the draft this year. Uh, anybody uh, you think we're uh, going to be eyeballing around there, Justin? Well, I don't want to get too far into any kind of speculation on that just yet. But I am keeping an eye on Jalen Brunson from Villanova. Just because he seems like the kind of guy who, despite not being elite at anything, is pretty good at just about everything, has a really high basketball IQ, and we might end up needing a point guard one way or another in a year or two, so who knows? Championship pedigree over there. Well? Yeah. No, he's a definitely a good player, and like you said, does a lot of everything, and you know, Brad Stevens seems to like guys that can kind of do it all, so guys that are multi-tools, so... I think it's a solid. A little short. Yeah. A little short at 6'2", but whatever. That's fine. No, you know, not as short as one guy we had once. For sure. For, for sure. And we did pretty good with that guy. So we'll survive. Um, so so now we got a segment that we've been talking about for the last couple weeks. Finally going to do it now. The Grass is Greener uh, 2008 Celtics edition since, you know, well, I mean, technically, we, we should have been contending this year, but, I mean, that may have to wait another year. But we weren't going to wait for this segment again. So we're going to roll it out here. Um, so it's 10 years, so I, I more than fitting time to do it. For those um, of you who are unfamiliar, what this segment is is just checking in to see if where, where a f- current – excuse me, a current Celtic – where a former Celtic is now, normally it's – on another team, but in this, you know, 10 year anniversary of the championship, the way that we're looking at it is were the people on that team in a more enviable position then or now? And, you know, some of them is going to be pretty obvious. Some of them is going to be debatable. So we figured we'd dive in just excuses to check in and see where are they now and, and what are they doing? And, you know, is the grass any greener? Right. Exactly. So, 
let's start with the big dog, the anchor, uh, mm-hmm. KG. Everybody still sees him all the time. Um, that year, he averaged 32, 32.8 minutes a game, almost 19 points, nine boards, three and a half assists. It's a crazy stat line. Yeah, I mean, and just like was the, the complete best defensive player in the NBA that year. I mean, I, and th- did he get defensive player of the year that year? I believe in 2007, 2008, yes. Yeah, the only year he got it when he took the seats, right? So, but he was a yep. complete monster that year. Yeah, it totally changed the team's, it just the entire makeup of the team. And having a guy like that, the you know, defensive mindset that just anchored the entire defense. Obviously, so he was a huge part of that. Now, what's he doing? He's hosting Area 21, one of the most fun shows NBA-wise that's, that's on. Uh, he's got all kinds of old guys rolling through there. What, what, what do you think, Justin? Grass screener? It's really difficult to say because he really does look like he's having fun. He really looks like he's still connected to the game. But I am going to have to say that the grass is not greener for Kevin Garnett just because men live Yeah, to I mean, he's a huge competitor. You know I mean? So, I mean, obviously, you know he'd rather still be out there playing right now. But, well, yeah. hey, for, for not, not a bad spot to be in in terms of uh, – you know, where he, where some of these other guys we're going to talk about are. So I, I think we can give him a push, right? I mean, obviously, obviously we think Garnett would rather be playing in championship games, but at the same time, of all these guys, he probably is in one of the best spots, right? I would say so. Yeah, and the other guy who's in a great spot, our man Paul Pierce, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, just got his jersey retired by the Seas. He was finals MVP that year. Uh, led the team in scoring, and that was for him. What like what what a year that was coming from the season that they had the year before, the worst Celtics season ever. It, to turn it around and come and win a championship that quick. I remember going into that off season and not sure if Pierce was going to be back or not, and like just being like, please do something, you know, because I didn't want to lose him. You know, the the they they landed first Ray Allen, then KG, and you know the story is. Obviously, everyone knows what happened, but he's got a sweet gig right now. He's um, he's on the jump on ESPN. He's on almost every day. I, I, um, he's a regular contributor there. Just got his jersey retired. Uh, just you know, finished up his NBA career last season. Um, what do you think, Justin? Well, you just made me think of something that I'm just going to go ahead and say. It's kind of a little bit off topic, but the whole trade that brought them all here to join Paul. Something to keep in mind should something happen this summer along a Kawhi Leonard, for example, or an Anthony Davis kind of direction. Lots of us really anxious about losing some of those pieces. I'm just going to try to keep in mind how I felt before and how I felt after should anything happen. Now, that said, I kind of feel like Paul might have found his calling. He really seems to be into being a color commentator and, you know, media personality. I could be wrong. You know, he's got a passion to play just as strong or, you know, in the same neighborhood at least as Kevin Garnett. But he really seems to be enjoying himself, like really. Mm-hmm. He's a natural too. And, I mean, I think a lot of us would have seen with his personality this was likely – you know, an avenue for him when the games are over. And you know what? I think it started last season, right? He started to do um, uh, some playoff Spots, games, right? Appearances, yeah. Yeah. I, maybe even the last two years. I'm not even sure. But, um, yeah, he was doing some He was doing some work on, on TNT or ESPN last year. 
uh, and, he, and he was a natural. So uh, I think it's a good fit. I think he's in a great spot now. Um, you know, likely Hall of Fame probably down the line. Uh, just got his jersey retired. Got to got to be riding pretty high. Yeah, I would say the grass is greener for Paul, but just barely. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, well, next, the other guy we just mentioned a minute ago, <laughs> this guy, uh, uh, Ray Allen. Uh, he was a huge part of that team, regardless of how anyone feels about him now. And the him coming to the Celtics before KG is probably the only reason that KG signed off on that trade. So, with that said, Ray Ray was, you know, uh, one of the best players on that team, a linchpin. Uh, I remember, I distinctly remember him struggling a little bit, in the, at least in the first couple rounds of the playoffs. But he was huge, especially in the finals themselves. I mean, some people argue that he should have been finals MVP. I know the numbers were close. Uh, you know, Paul was kind of the heart and soul, and I think he kind of got the, the nod there because of that. But um, now, <laughs> what's Ray doing now? Well, uh, we have, you know, some some back and forth, you know, just – passive-aggressive media stuff uh, through the media. I mean, uh, shots at, you know, this and that. Um, obviously, some of that Ray didn't start. Some of it he did. Mm, and then, you know, didn't come to Paul's retirement. Uh, I know uh, an interesting tidbit that I picked up a couple weeks ago. We might have mentioned it last week on the pod, but I'm not sure if we got into it too much. Um, Ray was on with uh, Dave Portnoy on um, – his pizza reviews in Barstool, Barstool Sports mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. Very interesting. His new book just came out, and he's talking about, yeah, he was talking about being wanted and things like that when it came to the Miami thing. It was actually really interesting. I'd, I'd recommend anyone to check it out. Kind of gives you a little perspective to what he's thinking. Um, but, um, you know, and uh, Port and I said to him something about, you know, um, you know, why, how come you missed Paul's event, blah, blah, blah. He had this other event lined up, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he didn't get invited, and it was kind of like, you know, you don't really need an invitation. Yeah, I know I didn't really need an invitation. You know, I mean, it's kind of something. I don't know, but had he gone, kind of might have taken away from the event, so maybe it's best that he didn't. But anyways, so he's got a lot. He he just got catfished recently. (laughs) I don't even know all the details on that, but wild stuff. Um, His book came out. I don't know how successful it's been. Uh, What do you think, Justin? Grass Greener? Grass is definitely not greener for Ray. You could tell he, he really misses the game. He really wanted to keep playing, even when he really just wasn't much more than a, than a corner mm-hmm. spot-up three guy at the end of his career. And, you know, like he's starting to turn the corner in terms of how he seems to be engaging the public. He's probably hired some public relations people what to tell him what not to play. do because he was doing a lot of it for a while. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean – not to, not to keep bringing this up, but he, he helped bring my favorite college program into prominence. And like nowadays, I have a hard time listening to the man talk because it just sounds like constant complaining. And I love Ray Allen that went to UConn. I love Ray Allen the play for the Celtics. But like even no matter how you feel about any of this stuff, I'm just tired mm-hmm. of it. I don't want to hear it anymore. And like that seems to be the main thing that he is about, making sure we still keep hearing about it. So he doesn't seem like a very happy person, despite the fact that, you know, he made crap tons of money. He's got his own healthy restaurants and he's living the life. But yeah, and I mean, with all the things he's done, he won titles with two different teams, right? Um, played for four different teams. Uh, and yet still like, 
I mean, are the Bucks really going to, like, you know, all any of these teams, is he going to be, like, heralded down the line? I mean, if if, if you scorn the this, this Celtics, you don't want to be part of that situation, or maybe they don't want you to be based on what happened, whatever. The Miami Heat, I mean, how much is he going to be revered, you know, 10 years from now by Heat fans? I mean, he was he was an important part of that, you know, of that championship. He hit that huge, huge uh, game seven, three, or game six, three. And yet still, like, he was only there for, you know, what, two years, three years? Two years, yeah. And Jeez, then believe. and then no NBA team wanted him. It's like, I don't know. Yeah, man, I, I don't know. I'm not really sure. I definitely grass much greener now. I mean, I, I think he, he made some mistakes along the way. Not to say that going to Miami was necessarily a mistake, but I just, I don't know. Not, not a... There's a way to handle these things. Yeah. And for whatever reason, people it. going to Miami seem to suck Yeah, it. just not, not, didn't work out so well. And uh, when we get to Ray, well, we can get to his, his biggest critic, right? Yeah. Uh, Next on the list, our man Rajon Rondo, one of the only guys. Well, actually, how many guys still playing? I mean, Tony Allen's not. Yeah, he's the only guy that's playing. No, he's not. No, he's not. No, you're right. But Tony Allen never got signed right after he got bought out this year. He didn't end up on another roster, did he? Not that I'm aware of. So technically speaking, as of right now, right. He is the only guy still playing in the game one of the Cleveland series. We'll get into that in a second, but. Uh, the Rajon Rondo still balling. I mean, he's still playing well, dude. Some of the highlights we've been seeing out of out of um, New Orleans with him and Davis that that alley oop he threw him off the backboard the other day was out of control. Um, so I mean, obviously he's not putting up the numbers that he was, but he's still averaging eight points, four boards, and almost eight assists. Um, you know, I mean, um, but you know, he, he's technically probably got better numbers than he did with that Celtics team playing less minutes. But at the same time, uh, you know that was only, all around. Yeah, I would say it is. That was only it is that was only more efficient. You know, second year in the league, and obviously he was a just a technically a distributor. You know, back then. Um, you know, since he left the Celtics, though, uh, the well, he got traded to. He had a bad <laughs> poor showing in uh, Dallas. <laughs> he's got released. Yeah, that's from a that. nice way to put it. Um, and then, and then he came out, bounced back with Sacramento. Right, had a big year with them. He led, he led the league in assists. Right, and now he's in New Orleans. You know, he's um, he's he's still balling. I mean, I, I wouldn't say the grass is greener, but hey, the guy's still playing. He's doing a lot better than most of these guys. I mean, he's not winning a championship, but he's got a bigger role, even though he's playing less minutes, mm-hmm. and he's doing more with it. Right. So I would say I would say it's a push on him as well. Yeah. yeah sure. Um, well, here's a guy that's been in the been in the uh, tabloids recently, but uh, oh, uh, not <laughs> I wouldn't say in a good way. Um, so we had Glenn Davis in some you big, know big. He was a big part of that team for a rookie. I mean, he, he looked like he had bright things ahead. You know, for a guy that was I mean, he wasn't putting up massive numbers, but especially when we got to the playoffs, he had a lot of key key moments. You know, now he's yeah uh, you know, I, I he got. Busted with a bunch of weed. I don't even know the whole story. What happened, Justin? Do you know? Yeah, okay. So basically he was in the middle of BFE, Maryland, and decided he was going to take his possibly legal supply of marijuana products. He's officially legally in business, in a marijuana business, in a place where it's legal to smoke Mm -hmm. marijuana. BFE, Maryland, is not that place. 
So he decided he was going to get high on his own supply in his hotel room. And when the hotel manager came to knock on the door and, and tell him to chill out because it reeked the high heaven, told him to go fuck himself. Not a great idea. Not, not very no. smart. So, yeah, he could be in some serious trouble. Um, I know I know his Instagram post after that on that plane with all that money. <laughs> so, I mean, he must be doing okay with all that cash. But, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to say he's uh, not in the ideal situation right now. I would say that's not. No. Not, the, grass was, the grass may be greener now that he's smoking. So. But for his life, yeah. not so much. Uh, next up, James Posey. He was huge on that team. And right now he's uh, assistant coach with the Cavs. Uh, how long has he been there? Just this year? I think this is either his second or third season. Okay. I mean, uh, and he, you know, he left the Celtics to go play with the Pacers. Took a... You know, he, he was never quite the same factor um, again because I think... He had a couple good years, though. Yeah, no, no, no. But, I mean, in terms of um, uh, championship caliber team, I, he was a great role player after... I mean, his best years really were in Miami. Yeah, I mean, did he, he uh, before he was with the Celtics, I mean. Uh, but that year he had with the Celtics, I mean, he was a glorified role player. He played his role excellent. He was a defensive stopper. And... Um, I mean, you know, he still had a few good years after that, but uh, I would say the pinnacle of his career had passed, and or maybe that was. Uh, but now he's still in the league coaching, so um, I mean, he's doing all right. Yeah, you know, I, I I don't really think that he has a super big role with the Cavs, but he didn't have a super big role with the Celtics either. I mean, it was a significant one in both situations. So you know, this is this is going to feel like a kind of kind of a cop out, but it's not that different in terms of what he's doing in the league for the team that he's with, even if it's not necessarily right. playing, per se. So, another push. Okay. I know, I I'm super you. lame. Um, next up, the other guy who is actually playing now. Well, hasn't yet, but he will be. Uh, Kendrick Perkins. Well, we don't know if he's going to play. I don't play, know if he's going to play any actual minutes. He's but, playing. Yeah. Um, he, he, had a, he was up with the Canton Charge earlier this year. The Cavs brought him up, but then they didn't, and then he was released, I think, and now he's back with the Cavs, right? Some kind of weird. There was definitely some weird stuff going on like a month or two ago. This is Kendrick Perkins. Yes, Kendrick Perkins. So Kendrick Perkins, one of my favorite Celtics I watched and growing up. I love that guy. Me too. The turtle face. He he left, had some good years in OKC, the early years with Kevin Durant. Uh, They made some good runs. Seemed like he was a pretty beloved teammate over there. He's... So he's on the Cavs. He's probably not going to play. I can't really see a matchup where they need him. Maybe a safety precaution. I'm not really sure. What do you think? He's definitely he's he is really good at helping teams. I and mean, this is this is an open rumor in the NBA. Not, not a rumor, secret. I guess you could say that he is really good at defusing conflicts. He's really good at bringing teams together. So it's a locker room. It's something locker he's room. done. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, he, he could be, you know, your, your third center in for, like, I don't know, garbage time or if somebody gets hurt, mm-hmm. maybe five or ten minutes a game. But he doesn't have too much gas left in the tank. You know, he was, he was having trouble in the G League, so I, I don't really expect him to contribute too much to, to the Cavs mm-hmm. if he even plays. Is the grass greener? Uh, I mean, I guess he's still playing. I wouldn't say it's greener than when he's playing with us, but um, it's still a little green, I guess, right? Yeah, I would say the green, the, the grass was greener before. He fought, so he fought to get back in the league, and he got back. So, I mean, kudos to him. He's probably psyched. 
next up, Eddie House, another guy who he had a huge role from that, on that team in terms of outside shooting. Um, played almost 20 minutes a game. Uh, he was uh, knocking down shots like crazy. I mean, he didn't do much more than shoot, but he was really good at it. Um, now Eddie House is an analyst for Fox Sports. I'll be honest, I don't really watch Fox Sports that much, so I haven't even seen him on there. I'm not even sure what show he hosts, do you know? Nope. Yeah, so, um, but hey, that, they, whatever, doing the damn thing, he's, he's still around. Um, I'd argue that his role with the Celtics was bigger than that, because, you know, Fox Sports is, oh, whatever, but. Yeah, um, nobody really watches Fox Sports for anything, but. Right, not, at least yeah. not for the talking head shows, anyways. Uh, I watch it for, like, you know, a game that might be on or something, but. Um, next up, Tony Allen, the other guy who was still playing up until this year. He had some good years when he left the Celtics. I, I, his best years, really, well, with the Grizzlies. I mean, he was kind of the identity of that, that grit and grind Grizzlies squad. I mean, they're even going to retire his jersey next year, from what I understand. Or in maybe not next year, but whenever he's done playing. That's how much he meant to that franchise. He signed with the Pelicans this year. He was hurt most of the year. He got traded to Chicago and didn't get... Didn't get picked up by anybody else after. He could be back next year. It wouldn't shock me. You know, defensive specialist off the bench for a team. But um, what do you think, Justin? Grass green? Grass was definitely greener in Boston. Mm-hmm. Well, not I will. I would. He didn't really play that much that year. Uh, I, I I would argue. You know, almost twenty minutes a game. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's true. I mean, I, keep part of the rotation. Yeah. I, I love Tony Allen. He was one of my favorite players. When he blew out his ACL, I was devastated. I just bought his jersey like a week before, so I think I had a little bit of that Topher curse going on back then. Oh, jeez. But the um, – yeah, no. Um, yeah, he was awesome. And he was – he was you know, the, the following season, I think he was much better, though. He, he was I – remember, I remember him dunking in the uh, – uh, he was huge in the final series, uh, locking down Kobe. And I remember him dunking in that game when we blew them out. Uh, to win the title, and I remember Doc Rivers saying to him, uh, "You've been holding out on me because he hadn't been—we <laughs> hadn't seen that explosiveness out of him. We just saw his defense, you know. But uh, yeah, uh, I would, yeah, I would say grass is greener. His gra- the grass got greener for him though when he went to Memphis. Another guy everybody sees all the time, Brian Scalabrini. He is basically the new Tommy, or at least is molding into the new Tommy Heinsohn for the Celtics. Uh, he's on the broadcast with Mike Gorman. He you know, was, you know, the guy coming off the bench. Everyone wanted to see Scal come into the game. It was always exciting. You know, he didn't play a huge role, uh, but he did play. And when he played, he was called upon, even if he hadn't played for a week or two. He's like a proto-Jerebko. He would be ready to go. Yeah, exactly. He really was. And, um, you know, he could do a lot of different things. He was a better defender than he gets credit for. And, uh, yeah, but I would argue, given the position that he's in now, uh, could be longtime Celtic color guy. I, I'm going to say the grass is probably greener for him right now. I don't doubt it. Next up, Sam Cassell. Season that year, uh, I remember there was a little friction with uh, Rondo. You know what's going on here? Sam Cassell was a you know longtime <laughs> NBA veteran point guard, and uh, he 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 played a big role down the stretch for that team. I remember he struggled a lot at first, uh, coming off the bench, different role. He averaged 17. 17 and a half minutes a game, seven and a half points. Uh, he was basically the second unit's, uh, you know, steadying pace when, when Rondo wasn't on the floor. Um, he hit some big shots. Now he's an assistant coach with the Clippers. Well, alongside. 
at least for now. The fallout on that later. the gentleman that's involved in that. Um, but um, anyways, um, you know, so he's still in the, he's still in the league. Still, uh, I, I imagine Sam Cassell will probably get a coaching got, job at some point. What do you think? I think so. I mean, he's got the right mentality for it. Point guards usually become, they usually transition the easiest, both to, you know, color commentary as well as mm-hmm. to coaching. You know, the floor generalship doesn't doesn't necessarily hurt with your, your overall knowledge of the game. I, I kind of feel like point guards tend to have a better knowledge of the game than most of the other players just mm-hmm. because of their job. This is another tough one, just because even though he did have some big moments overall, his contribution to that team, it wasn't that big. You know, I mean, when he was on the floor, sure, but he wasn't on the floor all that often. So I'm going to say the grass was greener in Boston, but just barely. It's kind of with an asterisk. It really depends on where his career goes. If he does end up going into coaching, you know, we revisited this in the future. It could very yeah. easily switch. You know, it just needs a little bit more, a little bit more cachet mm-hmm. in the league to make that I, next I step. I would agree. Leon Poe, he was a guy that uh, uh, famously Phil Jackson uh, said Leon Poe didn't even didn't even know, <laughs> didn't know he exploded with that. It's a great name. A huge game. I think it was. Yep. I don't know. It was a game two, game three against uh, the Lakers. Leon Poe. He wasn't, you know, he, he, I mean, he played a role with that team. He was a, uh, uh, I think his, his best year came the following season when Garnett got hurt and he came up huge in the playoffs. He had to play huge minutes. I mean, we, we didn't make it back to the finals, but uh, he, he had, you know, a huge coming out party event. What do you think, grass greener? If I could actually say with conviction what the hell he's up to now. Well, I can tell you this. He, mm. he's still, I don't know where what he does now, but he's still in and around Boston at times. Um, I know a couple years ago he represented the Celtics for uh, opening day and at Fenway. So you know he still has some ties with the organization. So I, I think that's that's pretty cool to hear for a guy who was you know a role player, never you know was never a star or anything like that, but he's still involved. I think that goes to show how you know beloved he was. Absolutely. Like the last thing that I could find that he was up to when I was doing some research for this segment was that he was working for a Seattle-based sports agency firm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know to what capacity or for how long, but he's not anymore. He used to be listed on their site. Now he's not. What happened, you know, maybe he found a better job and that's what he's doing now. Maybe it didn't work out. I have no idea. If any of you listeners can get us up to speed on that, it would be great. I would, you know, just... Not, not for any particular reason. I'm just curious. It was important to the team, so yeah. So I know. we'll say that the grass was greener then, only because you know he was playing. Uh, he was a a surprise on an NBA team that won the title, and you know we don't really know what he's doing now. So <laughs> fair enough. Um, PJ Brown, the 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 man who came back. What did he come back? January. You know, uh, uh, he didn't play a lot during the regular season, but sure as hell played a big role in the in the playoffs. Hit that huge shot in in Game Seven against the Cavs, they helped win that game. I mean, he, he, here was a guy who was uh, retired. They they they. Uh, I think it was during the All Star break that they went down to go uh, talk to him and got him to come back. So it must have been February then, and signed him for the rest of the year. And uh, he had a big year. And from from your notes here, it says he's now a high school engineering teacher at Chattahoochee. 
in Chattahoochee, Georgia. Georgia. Huh? Yeah. This is a really hard one because, you know, some people love doing that crap, you know. I mean, I'm an educator myself, hey, man, too. Hey, that's a, that's, a that's a rewarding job, if you, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So, you know, uh, so, uh, but, I mean, you know, he was a, he got up off his couch and came and helped win a championship, too. It's like, uh... Real hard to say, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll give him the we'll give it to the teacher. We'll say it's uh, he's good right. now. Sounds good. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Support education. Well, Scott Pollard, another guy, a guy that even the Celtics forgot was on the team when Rondo made out the uh, invitations. He he left Ray off the list and Scott Pollard, but only because he forgot about Scott Pollard, which is kind of wild to me because Scott Pollard seems like a kind of guy you wouldn't really forget. Did he play uh, in the postseason? I know he played a little in the regular season, but I don't remember him playing in the postseason at all. So. I don't know. He may not have, um, but uh, he was certainly still on the team. Um, but, sure. it, uh, but hey, he uh, he was on Survivor, right? 2016. Just, just yep. a few years ago. So he's doing all right for himself. And for a guy that didn't really play that much that year, he's on Survivor. Hey, yep. he's, he's still going green. Grass is easily greener for him. What about Gabe Pruitt? Gabe, wow, Gabe Pruitt. I forgot about him. Yeah, didn't he go play overseas after that? I mean, he only played here that one year, right? Yeah, and he was overseas for a long time. But he's still playing, as far as I know, for um, the the Liga Nacional de Baloncesto Profesional. Uh, And as far as I am aware, he this is this is the Mexican version of the NBA, which okay. is somewhere slightly north of the NCAA in terms of talent, but just barely. Mm-hmm. It's not even close to like G League level of talent. He is, as far as I know, the only professional basketball player in the Mexican League with a championship ring. Wow. He's probably killing it down there, too. Probably being in his low 30s, right? I don't know how old he was when we drafted him, but you know, he's probably in his early 30s. So he's probably still got a few years left in him, too. Okay. He's still playing ball. I'd say he's a push. I would say it's greener now because... Yeah, I mean, he's probably the best player on his team. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> he's the only guy with a ring. And for the for the last guy, uh, the coach, Doc Rivers. How do you think he's doing right now, Justin? There was a really great piece that came out this week. I'm not going to say the website because I'm boycotting them, but you'll find it because you guys are smart. Kevin Arnovitz recently wrote kind of like a retrospective interview piece with what Doc did right after the championship. I'm not going to tell you what's in the article because it's very good and you should Google it. You'll find it. Kevin Arnovitz, Doc Rivers, that should get you there. Just came out either yesterday or today. And he really regrets how he dealt with the championship team and what happened afterwards. I'm not going to say anything else about that. And now... You know, he is not the general manager. I mean, he's getting Clippers. fired, right? He's getting fired. Probably. I mean, he might not. I mean, if they can't find someone, you know, and they're they're definitely going to suck. Well, if Frank Vogel he... just got fired. I mean, there's some definitely capable guys out there they can go and get. Uh, oh, sure. No, no, no. But I'm, what I'm saying is if they're, if they're definitely going to be bad for a while, and it really does look like they're going to be, mm-hmm. you know, those are the going into the rebuild. They might not need to fire him. Yeah, he might just – right, you're right. Yeah, he's known for jumping ship when that comes up. Yep. <laughs> but uh, – I think this is the easiest one of all of them. You think he gets another job, though? Um, I think – I think Doug could get yeah. I mean, if you had a team up, I, I wouldn't want him coaching up my, my young and upcoming squad. But, um, you know, if you had some veterans – He's a good retread. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, they all 
every team does it, right? How many times they go through the same guys? So um, it wouldn't be shocked if he got another job. But um, He's a good coach. He just has no business running an organization. Yeah, you're right. So, I mean, hey, so grass is greener. That's the 20, the 2008 uh, Celtics championship team. A little mix there. You know, we, we try to change it up. I mean, some of the guys obviously play different roles, so it's obviously hard to hard to uh, do, but, you know, hey. Wait, are you trying to tell me that being an engineering oh, yeah. uh, high school teacher is not commensurate with playing for mm-hmm. the Boston Celtics? Yeah, it's kind of hard to compare. You, you might have a point. That's all good. Anyway, so uh, we got game one coming up. In just a couple of days, um, I'm sure we're going to hit you guys up with another pod after the first two games, uh, probably while the team resets. We'll see how that goes so after the two games in Boston. Um, and then uh, yeah, so we'll probably see you guys then. Um, in the meantime, don't forget to check out the links at the top of CelticsLife.com. We've got a huge variety of shirts and hoodies in the store, and you can even get tickets in there game or that. You'll find the pod on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and most podcaster apps. Make sure you subscribe to never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, be sure to rate us five stars. If you don't like something or have a suggestion, make sure you let us know with a comment in any Celtics Life article or on Twitter with that hashtag, CLPod. We're always trying to bring you guys the coverage you want the way you like it. Justin, anything else from you, my man? Bring on Let's the box. Let's get it. We want Giannis. Later, guys. Take care. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.